Hey everybody, welcome to 10,000 Feet. On this episode, we'll talk to Todd Jacobs, a principal at OST, who works with our clients on a variety of digital transformation projects. Todd talks through the topic of reinvention and how companies can continue to adapt and thrive in times of uncertainty. Enjoy. So Todd Jacobs, I'm so glad you could join us today and talk a little bit about well, about what's going on in the world right now. Todd, how you doing? I'm doing well, Andrew. Thank you for having me today. Todd, you're a principal consultant here at OST. Yeah? I am. So what's that? Principal consultant, man, it takes on many different uh, definitions. Uh, really, we serve as a conduit between our delivery organization and our sales organization, both from a, a strategic uh, guidance perspective, uh, getting into some of the uh, next level conversations of how and where we're executing on our uh, engagements for clients. Uh, again, both at a strategic and tactical uh, perspective, but really uh, offering and representing the breadth of OST services and bringing that to the forefront for our clients, making sure that uh, we're maximizing the value prop, that we're meeting our demands. And uh, we do kind of serve as a, a multifaceted role across the organization. So it's kind of a unique uh, spot to be in within the company and uh, one that sure. definitely lends itself to wearing many, many hats on any given day. Wow. So you've got your hands full, it sounds like. Absolutely do. So let's talk a little bit about strategy. You help our clients think through their own strategy. Is that is that a thing you do? Well, I think it's their strategy, but also mirrored to uh, what we see across the marketplace, what uh, we've seen in other clients' case examples, mm -hmm. uh, where we've delivered uh, in certain maybe even similar scenarios where we have to be uh, largely innovative in their respective business or uh, the problem that they're facing right. uh, down to framing that in the first place uh, and carrying that through where we can uh, inject, where we can help uh, and, and really maximizing uh, how OST can help them in their digital journey. Sure. And that digital journey has taken a sort of turn in the last six months, right? Now we're talking about digital journeys in the, in the wake of a pandemic. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that digital journey, that um, that path that these businesses are on, given uh, the global pandemic with COVID, uh, has fundamentally shifted the marketplace uh, in terms of how we're engaging with customers, where we're being innovative. But specifically, uh, one of the hot button issues is uh, where budgets are being allocated. That seems to be one of the foremost topics that um, any business leader will uh, bring to fruition when they talk um, economic uncertainty is how and where their cash flow is positioned and where they're going to be tomorrow in that whole position yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, a lot of uncertainty in that, uh, yet at the same time, where we've had a, a tremendous opportunity to have conversations. And again, that strategic guidance that I refer to is uh, how best to innovate and how best to think about digital and IT spending and uh, maximize that uh, that space again so that we're uh, creating competitive advantages despite this uncertainty. So that's great, Todd. So I know that you and your peers hosted a, um, a round table uh, a few months back about thriving in a period of economic uncertainty. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you think thriving in a, in a period of economic uncertainty is possible? Absolutely. It absolutely is. Uh, thriving is, uh, it's a key word in that whole dynamic, Andrew. The, the fact of the matter is uh, it's, 
it's arguably an easy time to uh, forego innovation when business is thriving in the first place without a recession entering into the fold. Oh. You're, you're maximizing product. Uh, so your revenues and your margins and your targets are being met uh, full force. Largely, businesses don't tend to innovate in those spaces. They keep riding that wave. And yes. one of the tremendous opportunities that we've been advocating for and have had a number of conversations around is now more than ever in these times of uncertainty is the absolute time to think about reshaping your business from a digital perspective, from strategic initiatives, from operational measures, sort of across the, the gamut of everything. And that has lended itself to a number of uh, areas of opportunities for businesses to uh, maybe close the gap between what they're doing day to day and uh, to that of how they're delivering their services or product to their customers. Wow. So I, I want to make sure I heard you correctly. You actually think now's a better time to innovate than when times are good and you're cranking out product and you're successfully manufacturing what you're manufacturing or building what you're building. I do. I think the key word and the, the bottom line is that you have to remain incredibly relevant in the marketplace, both to your customers and across your competition in the fact that you're, uh, quote, forced to innovate, forced to invest in these types of things. Hmm. Uh, and if you look at your business from a different lens, it is the key time to do such a thing. Now, it goes against maybe popular belief, uh, maybe even just logic in that case, because cash is tight and cultures are being disrupted across the board. However, uh, I largely feel that uh, if you are going to come out of this as a business, especially as a leader in your marketplace, absolutely have to, in many cases, double down on some of your investments in the innovative and digital spaces. I'm with you. Uh, so so a, a smart business leader today is is maybe reconsidering some things that they've just accepted as as for granted in the in the previous 18 months or two years or 10 years maybe. I think they are. I think they're both looking at that from a couple of different areas uh, across their business. Uh, there are preparedness steps that they're certainly taking to maximize and, and assure, uh, say, uphold some of their cash flow, such as their core products and how they're uh, creating efficiencies. But at the same time, everybody likes to say the new normal. Well, the new normal is being redefined every single day. And yeah. being able to accommodate remote workforces. Uh, uh, understand behavioral shifts across the market and across the industry. Um, what does a low touch economy mean for those types of businesses and being able to tap into that through different means, whether they be both horizontal, horizontal or vertical in their respective spaces. So you'd advocate that businesses should be examining all of those things now should be Absolutely. taking in uh, a different attitude towards what remote work, look, work looks like and a different attitude towards how to engage with their consumers. Now's the time to do that. That was absolutely the time to think about and take a, a very candid yet objective look at how their business is performing, where they are positioned, um, where they have opportunities to uh, reach into new spaces. Now, we're not talking about absolutely making a huge, huge, um, like all bets on the table uh, shift in your business, but it is going to be that type of hard look at your business of what are we doing to uh, not only meet the customer demand, but where is the customer going to be tomorrow? What data is informing that in the first place? Uh, how are we uh, expanding into services or other vectors of our business that maybe previously weren't thought of? And we have a number of uh, clients and uh, case examples across our industries that uh, are looking at that from uh, uh, several different angles. So I absolutely agree that now is not only the time, but it's also an, a, a tremendous opportunity to 
perhaps even leapfrog uh, to mm-hmm. give to give some insights when we when we first saw uh, businesses in the 2001 versus 2008 timeframes. Uh, sure. If you compare those two economic periods across our economy, uh, over 20%, I want to say closer to 25% of those kind of middle of the pack, maybe back of the pack companies jumped ahead because they were innovative in their spaces within the 2007, 2008, 2009 time periods. It was a tremendous leap. So I'm very curious what kind of numbers are going to come out of this post-COVID, right? If we're saying about 25%, you know, 12 years ago, what does that mean for uh, those that are really trying to innovate today? And they could uh, certainly take a, a significant market cap uh, if they do uh, some of the things that we're alluding to of making those objective assessments across their business and really sticking to a, a recurring business planning and, and strategic uh, initiative in front of them. Hmm. So you look at what happened in 2008, sort of an economic downturn, and you say, man, there are, there are lessons to be learned there, and those are lessons we can apply today. Yes, oh, absolutely. You think about, um, you know, I think we talked about this in, in a couple of different courts, but, uh, you know, the iPhone was introduced in 2007, 2008, you know, one of the worst mm-hmm. economic periods, yet at the same time, who's kind of going without the fact that Apple has become a staple name across, our, across the globe, for that matter. Um, you have companies like Netflix uh, that emerged out of 2008, tremendously valuable because of the way they were shaping their business and even to this day, continue to innovate across that process. Hmm. So those case examples where they did take a look at um, what does the behavioral shift, what do the political indicators say, what does the technological facets offer them, uh, it, it creates a wealth of opportunities for companies to not only consider from a strategic perspective, but also take that same cash flow conversation a different direction. And I think that that's where we're starting to see some businesses start to gear their efforts from where we started the COVID uh, say shutdowns and things along that nature several months back to where we are now in the middle of August. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the, the thing that I get stuck on though is for my business, if my business is um, maybe suffering a little bit as a result of COVID as a result of a global pandemic, I've actually got less revenue to play with now. How do I, how do I find that capital investment? How do I find the resources I need to make those kinds of investments without feeling like I'm, you know, sending good money after bad. Yeah. And that's a tough one, Andrew, to be honest, there are, there are certainly cash uh, conversations and certainly capital and OPEX conversations that have to be had um, that are difficult because of employees that you're trying to retain and certain cuts that absolutely have to be made Um, in certain cases, because you don't have the, um, operational spends and the operational budgets being allocated to those types of areas, those can be reapportioned and reallocated to certain digital spaces as well. Um, huh. Without putting my financial advisor hat on too deep here, um, th- those are some of the areas that uh, uh, businesses would certainly start to take a look at. Um, but also in other areas, such as joint venture, such as partnership too, where you can innovate in those spaces, uh, lessen the risk or at least mitigate the risk. Uh, and be really diligent about how and where those those IT spends are occurring. I'm with you. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I feel like I'm hearing you say that we're seeing a fundamental shift in how some businesses operate today. That we might not know it yet, and those businesses might not know it yet, but the the 
platforms and environments in which they are doing their business are fundamentally shifting right now? I think they are. They're fundamentally shifting into uh, new and honestly exciting opportunities for businesses to thrive post-pandemic. Uh, again, back to the, some of those cases that came out of 2008 to where businesses are looking to uh, maximize supply chain or procurement processes, even down to how they're looking at uh, logistics and how they're delivering their products. I, I think they're fundamentally shifting, but they're also taking a, a hard look at where their innovation processes lie, where are their, uh, their, their digital footprints in that space, and how are they creating uh, a significant value for their customers. One of the biggest questions that we always wonder is how are we creating value for the customer? But at the same time, start to take a look at, does the customer realize what value they bring to your organization too? Mm -hmm. I'll flip that question around real quick. And it's an interesting dynamic to consider as a business leader. And I think that's where many are positioned today is what's the value they're bringing to us and how do we, how do we not only recognize that, but how do we also start to get creative in that space? And how do we bring that forward? Sure, sure. So let's talk a little bit about um, this phrase that I came across in uh, in my notes from your roundtable and a couple conversations we've had, forced innovation. This notion that sometimes we choose to innovate and sometimes we have no choice. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that forced innovation is exactly where we are positioned uh, in this pandemic is businesses are, are being forced to think about how they're modeled, how they're innovative, how they're delivering both product and service to their customers, um, what sort of uh, value prop is being uh, illustrated and, and carried forward to their respective uh, client bases uh, because of the fact that some are out of options, some have to remain mm -hmm. relevant. They have mm -hmm. to um, take a hard look at that of sustaining their business, whether it be through core products or the fact that their core products aren't going to get them there and they have to remain uh, somewhat distinct in uh, how they're going to go after additional market share. Uh, that's part of that forced innovation part of, part of COVID. Now the other, the other side of that is the non-forced, if you will, um, is your normal cycle of business where, uh, you know, across our services and, and especially from the, the digital landscape, uh, we've pressed heavily on, uh, creating that sort of next echelon of service for uh, a business, whether it be through right. application, whether it be through managed services, whether it be, you know, those types of things that we see uh, through modern technology offerings and strategic initiatives that have been on the say one to three year timeframes uh, for certain organizations, those one to say three year timeframes, largely because of COVID have been now accelerated. We're talking six months or less. And there's that force mm -hmm. piece kind of kicking in. I, I'm stuck on something you just said. Either I innovate or I become obsolete in some cases. Mm -hmm. That there's a if the world changes around me and I don't change too, then the connection I had to my customer goes away. Could could very well go away um, because customer behavior is again categorically shifting. This remote workforce, this behavior, this expectation management. You know, think about this from say an e-commerce or digital commerce perspective. Uh, Customers are demanding the Apple experience, the convenience of Amazon, um, and the quality and the price points uh, of some of those those two uh, sanities built into it. Um, you know, that's just a single example within digital commerce, but it 
I think it traverses a number of uh, clients and industries that we're talking sure. about here, where those expectations have to be not only met, but they also have to be, as a business leader, you got to stay one or two steps ahead of this too. Right. You have to innovate in those spaces in order to remain successful. Which is really hard when I don't know what's next. I mean, I think for a lot of business owners and business leaders, there was this thought in March or April or even May of this year that we were just waiting for things to go back to normal. Is there a normal to go back to? I don't know that there's a normal to go back to. I think our normal is going to be redefined um, post-pandemic, whenever that day comes. It's not like we're going to flip the switch and all of a sudden it's back to normal one day and uh, as if it never happened. I think that what we are going to see across the marketplace is uh, that behavioral shift, that, uh, that, that, new, um, that new reality for us. Mm-hmm. So sort of live and breathe within. Now, uh, I don't know when that happens as a business leader. I don't know what sort of measures or milestones or benchmarks I'm going to have at what point on a calendar. Uh, so back to the point of taking an objective look at your own business, have a recurring uh, grooming or cadence within your business leadership as well of your strategic plan. How are we doing? What are, what are the, the shifts that we're seeing across those, say, new norms? Mm-hmm. Uh, those are going to fuel those conversations. I think the customer evolution that we've seen now in the past five or six months of this is absolutely going to continue uh, throughout at least the remainder of the calendar year, especially into now 2021. And maybe in, in some cases forever, right? Forever. Where those shifts occur, this might be the new normal. I'm just thinking about um, this, this podcast we're recording right now, which we're doing remotely via Zoom. And it's been, it's been five months since I sat in front of professional microphones and actually recorded a podcast talking face-to-face with someone. I wonder if we'll ever go back to that. If in fact what's happened is that we've shifted the way we think about how we have these conversations to enable having conversations with anyone, anywhere, at any time. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a good thing. It could very well be a good thing. One of the questions that we posed at the round table, which I think is still a fascinating one to ask uh, any business leader or really any, any employee across a business, um, is how are you measuring productivity across this remote workforce as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, so many times we, uh, we hear, maybe anecdotally or otherwise, that oh, I'm so much more productive at home because I don't necessarily have the uh, hallway distractions in a certain office or otherwise, but how are we measuring that? Right? How are we going about? Uh, are we? Are we? Are we measuring that? And that goes back to um, what sort of change management, what sort of data is your business and organization uh, currently leveraging to harness and fuel some of those conversations? I think those are the things that we're talking about, especially from a cultural perspective. There's mm-hmm. a huge, huge thing um, to not lose that cultural uh, side of the business as well. Um, we've seen it both work both ways, where um, some of those cultural ties have been. Um, cut because of the fact that cash is driving all decisions and other sides of it is uh, no they've largely upheld culture despite you know say a remote or exclusively remote workforce certainly it's got to be harder to preserve culture with a remote workforce than it is when you can bring in pizza on fridays and have a happy hour Mm -hmm. all of those things need to be more deliberate and maybe that's one of the things i hear you saying is um, be deliberate Don't let this happen to you. Decide what you're going to do about it for yourself and for your business and for the next steps for your relationship with your customer. Absolutely. Be deliberate, be intentional, 
uh, again, back to how that data is driving your decision-making across the organization. It's also uh, somewhat of how you're organizationally modeled. Um, are you receptive to those types of, say, decentralized decision processes uh, across sure. the organization, too? That, that empowers the individual, and it, it retains culture to a large degree. Um, you know, having, yes, company happy hours over a uh, Zoom call is certainly one step in that process. But I do think there's a tremendous amount of value in showing uh, through action that culture can be upheld, even though most of us are uh, remote and, and doing these exact uh, types of hmm. calls from Zoom or Teams or otherwise. Hmm. So let me ask you this question. You did your roundtable back in May, uh, from May to August. You know, we've had three more months of pandemic of largely working from our homes. How have the conversations you're having changed? Have they? Mm -hmm. They have. Uh, it's been an interesting uh, sort of shift in conversations over the past few months now, uh, where we said it was a lot of reactionary thinking, uh, you know, about three or four months back, uh, preserve the capital, preserve cash, and uh, really just tighten up the strings on everything that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, now into the how are we taking a look at quality and how are we revisiting that um, as a business leader or as uh, as an organization at, at large of uh, what sort of initiatives are we putting in place again not the three-year time frame out but the next say three months out and accelerating some of those i've seen those conversations ramp up significantly in three months of more of a recurring cadence across uh, leadership tables uh, certainly taking a look at um, not losing sight of quality across their processes, that, that product that they would say is considered core and then maybe a kind of a core plus to their overall business. Um, and then just maturation of, of how their decision processes are being made despite the pandemic itself. They're, they are uh, certainly uh, learning more as I've had a number of conversations across a number of clients, certainly learning uh, a tremendous amount across the uh, across the time timeline, uh, while at the same time knowing that there there's a hint of uncertainty out there, hmm. and, and and being able to uh, proactively uh, get after some of these uh, these decisions as well. I, I can't help but think as I listen to you talk uh, of the five stages of grief model that that some of early pandemic behavior for all of us was was some sense of denial that this isn't really happening and it's just a blip and we're going to go back to normal and we'll all be in our offices again in April. And uh, over the course of the summer, we've moved from denial maybe to a greater degree of acceptance. So if this is the world, what are we going to do to thrive in this world? I think that I think the grief model serves as a model for healthy process and maybe maybe some of that is what we're seeing in business too. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, back to uh, across even a short amount of time uh, in you know, the past three or four months of, uh, yes, uh, you know, the, the new normal itself, uh, exactly when is that going to land on the calendar? Um, mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is that that new normal, as we were just alluding to a moment ago, um, may, may as well be our new reality because it's going to be reshaped uh, regardless of how we come out of the pandemic itself. Um, so it is into that acceptance and that acceptance is really starting to kick into gear of uh, now better informed decision-making and, and, and as a business leader, uh, taking a, a solid look at that digital path and that journey for them of um, how are we going to 
not only sustain through this, but thrive after the fact. And those that thrive and double down on almost what we're kicking off in our own conversation here are the ones that are taking a significant look at how they're investing in their marketplace, how they're really trying to remain competitive across the, the technological and innovative landscapes. Here's what I want to talk about. The way you work, Todd, is different today than it was six months ago. The way our clients work is different today than it was six months ago. Is that a good thing? I think it is. I think it's a, it's a good thing of the way we work. Uh, the remote workforce is certainly one factor of that, but also taking a really uh, solid and candid look at um, are the processes that we have in place going to sustain through this? And hmm. is the work that we're performing today the same as what's going to meet that new normal tomorrow? I think even at OSD, we're doing the same thing uh, from organizational and strategic measures that we're taking. Uh, is that the place that we want to be in, say, three to six months? So hmm. the way we're working is certainly now taking on not just a uh, strategic to execution and delivery and then to support model. It's also factoring into somewhat of a parallel track of uh, making meaningful strides toward sort of reshaping the organization to remain not only competitive, but uh, creating a, a greater sense of, of scale as a business mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, the way we're working, driving toward that, both across our resources and how we're going to market. So that's a little... Uh, to my brain anyway, a little of that forced innovation we were talking about earlier, that we might have not have chosen to rethink how it is we work and what a remote workforce looks like. We might not have taken the steps to try and create innovative opportunities to connect in new and meaningful ways if we weren't forced to. But it's a good thing that we did, right? It's a good thing for businesses that they're asking themselves these questions, even if it's hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard. Yeah, there, there's no denying the fact that it's going to be incredibly difficult uh, from a number of different facets and varieties of uh, the decision processes. But Hardy. it's great. It, it, you know, it's great. It, 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 it's absolutely necessary. Um, and it does also create, again, keeping on that opportunistic side of things, it does create some positive momentum for, for an organization to not only leverage, but to harness as part of redefining themselves during and post pandemic. Cool. So, um, so let me pivot a little bit and let's talk just a bit about sort of, those cases where it isn't hard and good. Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, there's an economic slump going on right now and surely an economic slump is bad for somebody. Where, where, is, it, where is it just hard and how do we mitigate that hard? Um, no, that's good. Uh, where is it just hard? I, I think when we see, um, you know, organizations that have uh, certain things out of their control, you know, kind of the percolating effect, uh, from mm -hmm. a manufacturing perspective or from, say, a, a reshaping of certain industries because of demand or a lack of demand, that is where it's going to be incredibly hard. Um, how do you preserve? And, and, and measures have been taken. We've seen that across, uh, across the globe of um, where workforces um, have to be reduced and where those types of things um, are necessary in order to sustain business. I wouldn't say I, you know, I cannot certainly sit here and advocate for one direction or another. They're unique to their own business, but those are where it's been hard. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, it does not mean that that's an all out halt or stop on innovation or in the, in the overall um, strategic direction that that company is taking. Yeah, I almost feel like what I hear you saying is 
the harder it is, the more impetus I have to innovate. There's an opportunity to reinvent yourselves in the face of a pandemic, in the face of a downturn that you wouldn't otherwise have, right? Yeah, you've been almost given this window, this window hmm. of opportunity to, yes, reinvent yourself, um, to look at a, a different partnership, to extend your services again horizontally more than you would say uh, vertically integrate. Uh, because of the fact you have this innovative space and this opportunity in this time period to do so. Um, but the risk but, is already there. The risk is already present in that fact. Um, the bigger risk, in my opinion, is doing nothing. Hmm. Sustaining that your core products only are going to carry you and that you're going to remain competitive in your marketplace. Um, but Todd, I, I don't want to reinvent myself. I just want things to go back to the way they were. What, what advice do you have for me? Um, if you're waiting until the things go back to the way they were, I think you're in a dire strait. Oh, that's good advice. That's good advice. Wow, Todd, you just, you've given me so much to think about today and in sort of how we advise our clients and, and how businesses struggle with, well, with the, the changing nature of our work in just ways we never imagined. Give me, give me a, Give me a story, Todd. Give me some hope. Have you seen examples where, where we're seeing these pivots and we're starting to see early signs that, that uh, this pivoting is making a difference? Absolutely. You know, there, there are a number of examples uh, that we've seen across a variety of industries and markets. Uh, uh, you know, brand has been a huge factor for companies like Williams-Sonoma, for instance. Uh, that's one of their, their driving uh, factors of their business is that you know the Williams-Sonoma brand. Uh, mm -hmm. But their business model has been largely driven by um, home furnishings and being able to physically go to, say, a mall or a shopping center and purchase the product and tangibly see this. And, and right, acquire. right. Now, you flip that. Now, nobody, nobody can go to a mall. And uh, what Williams-Sonoma did is they doubled down on their experience online and their hmm. brand itself, how important and how significant the brand is. Again, back to that quality item that we were talking about. Williams-Sonoma saw one of their best uh, financial quarters uh, over the past few months because they doubled down in that respective area. They put wow. significant effort into that space. Uh, and sure enough, it wasn't just purchasing home furnishings. It was going through the process of um, furnishing your home. Mm -hmm. There's a different way of looking at that. And that's really one of the, the key characteristics that they drove as an organization. You know, that's just one example, but you see you know, countless other ones across manufacturing of verticals and otherwise, um, even down to, you know, here's, here's, here's the craft beer guys uh, speaking up, but you've got uh, hand sanitizer through distilleries and breweries and things like mm -hmm. that. This is extensions of their business. Um, those same companies also thought about doing home beer delivery service. That wasn't something that they initially were thinking about, but a pretty easy extension um, that they started to do. Uh, kind of an interesting one at that. Wow. And then even just your traditional manufacturers of uh, where there was just a moving product or supplying uh, via third party or otherwise um, getting into more service orientation uh, with how those products are being utilized in a workplace or in a mm -hmm. process or in a manufacturing uh, dynamic, uh, getting into more of um, optimization of that and some level of innovative, say, service line that might be attached to their, say, traditional uh, product line. So some certain cases across a number of those areas. And I think that we've only seen 
um, the beginning of that, given where we are in the stages of COVID. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm curious to see where this takes us over the several uh, months ahead. You, you and me both, man, I'm, I'm excited to see this, this innovation continue, not just for us and for our business, but, but for the world, we're going to, we're going to be a different and stronger place on the other side of this than we were moving in. I think it'll be different for sure. Um, this new norm reality that we will live in, um, I think it'll take a little getting used to, to be honest, but hmm. it, it should be an exciting one because of uh, where we come out of this and what we're going to see, uh, not only from a social side of everything, but also from a business and, and innovative side as well. Um, Todd, I can't thank you enough for spending your time uh, with me this afternoon talking through these things. It's been uh, it's been a really helpful conversation for me as I try and frame out what the future looks like. Um, I just have one more question for you. You probably know that OST's main headquarters in Grand Rapids is in a is a gaming is an old gaming factory. Uh, right. Used to be Drukey Games. So so we like to ask our visitors on the podcast what their favorite game is. What's your favorite game? Um, you know, that's an interesting one. I'm not sure if I have a favorite. It's probably a tie uh, between roulette and uh, dominoes. Roulette and dominoes. When you say roulette, you mean actually betting on a number. Absolutely. <laughs> you're, you're a finance guy. You're a numbers guy. And yet you, you plunk down some change on, on eight black. Yeah. What can I say? It's, What's your you know. roulette bet? Uh, typical roulette bet. Mm, outside, inside? Yeah, you got a favorite no, number? It's going to go inside. It's probably 30. 30. And what's the significance of 30 for you? It's my son's birthday. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, I think I think actually when my wife plays roulette, she, she plays her birthday and my birthday and our kids' birthdays, which I don't know why those numbers would come up more often than any other numbers, but what do I know? I guess I'm too much of an analyst and not enough a chance taker. Yeah, All, right. Their own. All right, Todd, I'm so thankful you spent this time with us. I really am. And I know, I know our listeners appreciate everything you had to say. No, oh, it's great. Thank you for having me. And I uh, really appreciate the time. All right. We'll talk soon. Great. Thank you. OST, changing how the world connects together. For more information, go to ostusa.com slash podcast.